Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. Welcome to Church Center. I said that. My name's Caleb, if we haven't met. Um, I'm going to preach a message tonight called, Now What? Everyone say, Now What? This message kind of, uh, I, I guess it's kind of birthed out of Christmas just happening and um, all this hype around Christmas, the build-up. Have you noticed the build-up to Christmas? It's like... Seriously, and then it's done. It's and sometimes I feel like you know, is Christmas just an awesome marketing campaign? Like, is that it? Like, I think we're at church today because we believe that it's more than that. But I feel like a lot of time in our world today, it's just a massive marketing ploy to get us to all to spend more money than we need to to buy things that we don't need, and then Christmas finishes in the next day. We get up early and flood the shopping centres to get more things that we don't need, even cheaper than we brought them before Christmas. I ran into Chelsea down the front row here. She is our resident best Boxing Day salesperson that I know. She, she and her dad got to Harbour Town at 6.45 on Boxing Day. I feel like that's pretty good commitment, 6.45 a.m. Uh, to get the best Boxing Day sales. A lot more committed than me, or maybe more money to spend, I'm not sure, either or. Maybe not now. Kim was watching the news on Boxing Day, and um, they, they did a segment, you know, just random stuff, and Woolworths launched hot crust buns on Boxing Day. Did anyone see on the news? It's like, what is this? Like, has, has our Christianity, has our two biggest weekends of the whole year, have they just become marketing employees? It's like all this hype around these little days just so that we can get people to buy more things, and... I guess having Christmas come and gone and all the hype that we put in it, family traveling, Christmas Day lunch, all this stuff, my question to us and my question to myself is, now what? Let me ask it this way, how are we different having you lived another Christmas? How did Christmas change you this year? What is different in your personal world having celebrated another Christmas? To help us answer these questions or this question of now what, I'm going to look at how the first Christmas affected people, and we'll go from there. Are you ready? If you have your Bibles, open them to Luke chapter 2. If not, it should be on the screen behind me, but Luke chapter 2, I'm going to read from verse 8, when when the angel appears to the shepherd, verse 8, Luke 2. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. Verse 10. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to someone, to one person who's good enough, to people who dress the right way, grew up in a Christian home. Is that what it says? I will bring you... Is anyone here tonight? I need some laughs of affirmation. Do you have any? That's my love language. You've heard of words of affirmation. Mine's laughs of affirmation. Thanks, Pastor B. (laughs) Pastor B's laughing because after tonight, I think he's officially on holidays. (laughs) Do not be afraid. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel, there was, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth 
peace, goodwill towards men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Simple people. The shepherds were simple people. Uneducated, simple people. Who God chose to simply reveal himself to. They were just going about their business. They were just doing the thing. Most probably they were just doing what their generations before them had done. They were just doing what their fathers had done. They were just looking after the flock. They were just going about their business. Simple people and God simply revealed himself to them. What about you? What's your story? I remember what happened to me. I remember when God sort of revealed himself to me. I remember the first moment where, where I felt his presence, even as a young kid, and I, I grew up in church, and I remember feeling the presence of God and being aware of these things, and can you remember that? I think back to a simpler time, where, when God was just there, and he just kind of showed up before I had questions, before I had doubts. They saw the light, and they started a journey towards Jesus. The other iconic people in the story of Jesus' birth, the other visitors, were the wise men. I've, Kim and I have recently had a baby, many of you know, because you've been asking me about it lots, which is awesome. We're stoked. Um, but like when you just have a baby, sometimes the thing you want is visitors that you don't even know. Like, have we actually thought about this story? Like, what, what's Mary thinking? Like, she didn't even get time to clean up the stable. Like, she didn't even know what's going on. Like, and these strangers are rocking up. Shepherds are rocking up. She's like, get the flock out of here. That's a flock joke, the sheep. But you can come inside. Um, and the wise men rock up and all this stuff's happening. And it's, it's just intriguing to me being in that season right now. But the wise men, let's have a quick look at their story. I won't read as much scripture, but I'm going to get to a really good point. So stay tuned. Are you ready? Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. So we had shepherds who God simply revealed himself to. But then we have wise men. These are the educated of the day. They were the who's who of the day. And get this, they were astrologers. <laughs> Is that new agey? Is that funny? Well, get ready for this next statement. Are you ready for this? The wise men found Jesus through astrology. <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? Try to fit that in your current worldview and Christian theology. They didn't teach me that at Bible college. What am I making the point? I'm making the point that Jesus can be found wherever. Whether it's simply going about your business and Jesus appears and, and an angel appears and points towards Jesus. People far from God can find him. People searching for answers in life, whether it's for Jesus or God or not, can find him in whatever they want. The earth and everything in it is his. The stars in the sky, he put them there. We can find God in anything. To the educated wise men, God allowed Jesus to be found through their discovery. On their search, in their terms, God doesn't seem to be scared of science. There has been many times in my life where I've tried to reason away God but I simply cannot deny what I've seen, what I've experienced, what I've felt, and what I've seen with my own eyes. They saw the light and they journeyed towards it. So now what? 
having lived another Christmas, uh, lived another Christmas, my first thing is we need to seek the light. They both had these experiences. They both saw these, but they made a decision to pursue it. You see, I, I think in youth ministry we see this a lot where, where we see someone that you know, comes to youth or a friend invites them or they come to a big event and, and they make a decision or they come down the front and it's like an emotional response, which is awesome. I'm not against that, but then that's it. That was the extent of their Christian walk was one day I felt something and I can't explain it and that was it, I didn't go back. So many teenagers we've seen come in and out over the years because it takes more than just that, but it takes a journey towards the light. We need to be people that would seek the light. John 8, 12 says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The light includes those that were excluded. Dan touched on this last Sunday in his message, but the shepherd's testimony meant zip. Like because of their social standing, they couldn't even give an account in a court of law in the day because their testimony meant nothing. And they're the people that Jesus, that God chose to tell about Jesus that would go and visit him, the people whose testimony meant nothing. If you feel like you mean nothing, you're in the right place because God seems to use people that have written themselves off or that life has written themselves off. It includes those that are excluded. It causes man-made wisdom to bow. These wise men of the day bowed to a baby. Have you thought about that? I love the fact that Jesus came as a baby. I mentioned this in communion this morning, but I was doing some research into Christmas, and at the same time the Son of God, Jesus, was born, there was another guy pretending to be the Son of God, calling himself the Son of God. His name was Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus was not the son of Julius Caesar, although he took over uh, the reign after Julius Caesar. He was his great-nephew. And his great-nephew took power because of an act of war, because he earned his way to be called the son of God, to be called the son of Caesar, to be called Caesar Augustus. He was calling himself son of God. And it's funny that our son of God, the true son of God, didn't earn his place. But he come humbly as a baby, so vulnerable. And the wisdom of the day come and bow down before him. To simple, uneducated shepherds, God simply revealed Jesus to them. To the educated, wise men, God allowed Jesus to be found through their discovery. Now what? Firstly, we need to be people that would seek the light. If you've stopped seeking God, can I encourage you? Christmas is more than having your family over for a barbecue. Man, Jesus wants us to be pursuers of him. He is the light. He says, I am the light. Those that have me shall not be in darkness. We need to seek the light. Number two, now what? We need to be the light. Everyone say, be the light. Reading on the shepherd's story, Luke 2, 16, and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. They told everyone about it. And all those who heard it marveled at the things that, that were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Verse 20. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard. And it was told them. They went and they, they became the light. This is like Christianity 101. Number one, we get exposed to God at some time in our life. We make a decision to pursue it. 
And then we realize that our job is to, now what? To be the light. These shepherds, they praised God and they went out telling others. Uneducated, unequipped people. If you feel unequipped, you're in the right place. If you feel like you don't know enough, you're in the right place. God can use anyone because he uses me. Everyone say amen. amen. Oh, that's making me feel insecure that you said amen. Didn't it? <laughs> Our role is to bring this message of peace to joy, this message of peace, this message of joy, and this message of hope. It's really a transition from, from John 8 to Matthew 5, where Jesus says, hey, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Our job is to simply be the light. Our, God, our job is to share the hope that God gave me. Yeah. Do you know what it's like? Can you remember what it's like to live without hope? Can you? Have you experienced it recently when you've been in a situation where there's just zero way out? Man, oh, it's, there's seasons and situations in our life that we go through and it's, there's no way out. And can you imagine now having to go through the things that you've been through without knowing God, without having a hope of a future, without having a hope that, that things are going to be okay, that God's got things in control, and without all these things and without scriptures like uh, Romans 8, 28, we know that God works all things together for good for those that love Him and are called according to His purpose for Him. You know, we quote scripture like this because we believe that God's got something better for us. We believe that we, He'll take us through the valley of the shadow of death. You know, all these sort of things. But without God, man, life must be hopeless. It's a scary place. Our job is to be the light. Now what, number three, get back to work. Who's enjoying holidays? The shepherds, they just went back to the flock. Knowing that they were more than what they did. Do you know that you're more than what you do? Nothing had changed, but everything had. Have you ever felt like that? I, I felt like that multiple times in my walk with God where I've, I've experienced a new side of who, is, who He is and, and nothing had changed, but everything had. Have, have you, do you know what I'm talking about? It's like I've had this massive realization and, and saw this whole new glimpse of God, this whole new facet of who He is, and it's like, yeah, nothing physically has changed, but man, everything's changed. Because if that means that, and then that means that, and then I can have hope for tomorrow, and God, you were there all these years and all this time, and you were pursuing me all this time, God. You don't need to change anything, but everything will change. Have you heard people say, oh, I can never go to church because I don't want to give up this, I don't want to give up that, I don't want to give up that. I've seen those same people's lives be transformed. And they're not complaining about giving up things in the future. They don't even realize they're doing it. Have you noticed? It's just that, oh yeah, God. Yeah, I'm in. Whatever you need, God, I'm in. What you did for me, this is the least I can do. And then years down the track, they look, and they're a different person. They didn't need to change anything, but everything did change. Do you know what I'm talking about? The wise men, they enjoyed the company of ordinary people. That was pretty cool. I think we need to be people that would enjoy the company of ordinary people. We can't be stuck in our holy huddle. Harvey Carey preached that. Remember that message that we all got back in the day? He talks, tells a story about basketball and how they, you know, the coach pulls them all in at the start and they you know, have a bit of a game plan and they come up with what's going to happen and then he, he G's it all up and tells it really cool and he goes, okay, can you imagine if they never broke apart? 
The whistle blows, the game starts, and these guys are just in a huddle on the field doing their Christian thing, <laughs> making a plan as to how they're going to change the world, how they're going to do this, how they're going to do something. Guys, we need to get back to work. I believe in divine appointments. I believe that God puts us in seasons and places. I believe he puts us in workplaces. I believe he puts us in families. I believe he puts us in neighborhoods. I believe he puts us in streets. Do you? Get back to work. Enjoy holidays. It's great. Enjoy Christmas. But our job is the people in our world. I hope we know that. And just like the wise man, it didn't matter that Jesus' family was of no reputation. A carpenter from Nazareth, Joseph, what do wise men have with him? No, these guys were the elite of the day. They didn't visit carpenters from Nazareth who were in Bethlehem for a census. Let's be people that would realize our job is people. I love building things with my hands. I love building, I love making things, but things fade. They're not going to last. <laughs> what lasts is the people that we invest in along the journey. The fourth thing that Christmas have taught me. Now what? Are you ready? Number four. Now what? Open your wallet. <laughs> you like that one? <laughs> I love the wise men's response. Matthew 2.10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasuries, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Their response from what all God, <laughs> he hadn't even done anything yet. Literally nothing. Have you seen a newborn lately? What do they do? Nothing. They make mess and eat food. That's it. They had a revelation that true riches couldn't be earned, couldn't be inherited, couldn't be purchased couldn't be brought or sold. Our family, Kim and I, our little family, we've started a family tradition and we did it last Christmas and then we did it this Christmas again, the second one ever, and it's our blessings jar. I've probably talked about this a few times, but I love this thing. Throughout the whole year, anytime we feel blessed about something, we sit down every couple of weeks or something and we write down, you know, what are we blessed about? What are we this and we write down these things we put them in a jar and on Christmas day we open this blessings jar we did it before church on uh, Wednesday or Tuesday whatever day Christmas was I can't even remember now and um, it's awesome do you know why it's awesome it's great for me it's great for us because after reading this Kim and I have a discussion we're so blessed man we're so blessed and it, and it leads us to being more thankful which who knows is a good thing because you're not focused on what we don't have or what we need, but we're there going, man, we're the most blessed people around, Kim. Can you believe this? Like, and that person did that for us, and this happened at Jethro's school. How cool is that? And this happened here, and this happened, and this happened, and like, it's the best Christmas present ever. That I'm so blessed, and, but when we, when we do things like that, it gets us to a point that we realize, hey, I'm so blessed. Man, I'm going to bless some other people. I need to give some blessing away. We need to create opportunities for us to be thankful for what we've got. And when, we, and, and when we're thankful for what we've got, it makes giving a heck load easier. When these astrologers, they were there, these wise men, these astrologers, they, they were searching the skies for an answer that they could be the first thing people to discover something and they found this star, they followed it and they found the saviour of the world in baby form in a stable. 
What did they do? They bowed down and worshipped. Oh man, we're so thankful, God, that you would use us. That we could be some of the first people to meet this Saviour, this promised King. God, thank you for choosing us. I'm thankful that God chose me. I'm thankful that he blesses me. Are you? Who knows, it's a dangerous place when we just compare all the time. Comparison is, it sucks. Nobody wins in comparison. Have you noticed? I'm thankful for what I have. These guys, they open their treasuries. We could sit around for hours and discuss the relevance and the biblical precedence of tithing. We could talk about, you know, what Jacob did when he came back, whether it was a, a precedent that we set, so we follow the 10% because he was the first one to say, and surely I'll give you a tenth of all that I have. We could argue percentages. We could talk about the Jewish system of they do it. Or what I like to do, man, I'm thankful, God. I'm blessed. Giving a tenth of my income, man, it's, it's cool, God, because I know, that it, I know that you take care of my needs. I know that this gets my focus off myself and it gets me a part of something bigger. I believe what Highway is doing, do you? Together we can make a huge difference and together we are. I mentioned this this morning, but Highway Church got 600 presents to foster children on the Gold Coast this year. I didn't do that. We did that. There's so many things that we do, our Christmas carols, what we do in India, all these awesome things is because corporately together we believe that it's better to give than to receive. That's what Luke quotes Jesus saying in Acts 20. It's more blessed to give than to receive. The fourth thing I learned in Christmas is to open my wallet, which is a reminder for us to be generous. Number five, now what after Christmas is give up your moment to be right. Ouch. Remember the wise men, God told them in a dream not to go back to Herod? But you've got to understand, this was their moment. <laughs> this was their moment. They'd predicted something from a star in the sky. Like this was their moment to march in there triumphantly and say, Herod, we've done it. Look at us. We are the wise men. Come on. Incorporated. This is us. We saw the star. We followed the star. We came to you and then we told you we we're going to find him. And we found the Jesus. We found the one that we were looking for. This is our moment. We were right all this time. It was us, King Herod. But they didn't do that, did they? <laughs> to protect Jesus in this dream, they were told to go the other way. You see, unfortunately, sometimes in Christianity, we become like this. When people don't follow our advice, when they don't respond to our invitations to change, we exercise our misguided right to say, I told you so. Our misguided right to say, I was right. Our misguided right to say, I knew this would end badly for you. Now you have to experience the consequence of your decisions. We love doing this as Christians. I do because I'm a Christian and I love doing this. I've gone, see, I was right about that person, babe. I knew this would happen. I knew that. But sometimes the more I journey with God, the more I seek this light like I'm talking about, the more I need to give up my moment to be right. Because isn't this what Jesus did? He got what he didn't deserve so we could get what we didn't deserve. Christianity is not a moment to be right. It's not. Because if it was right and if it was fair, you don't make the cut. 
I don't make the cut if it was right and fair. No, 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 we need to lose our moment to be right. This is the opposite. Jesus, he's crazy like this. He got what he didn't deserve so we could also receive what we didn't deserve. Jesus seemed to teach this different approach, one where that he embraced the sinner, whether he covered the children's bad decisions, where he loved his enemies and he blessed those who cursed him. This is a different way of living. Now what, after another Christmas? I'm gonna give up my need to be right. I'm gonna give up my moment to be shine and to say, I told you so, I told you so. No, 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 our job is to embrace the broken. Our job is to love those who are downcast. Our job is to be the light. Number six, now what? Are you ready for number six? The last one, change your future. The wise men went a different way home. Jesus made a way for you to be the master of your own destiny. Your script hasn't been written in stone. Your script isn't locked in. Your past mistakes, the generations before you, they're only building blocks. They're not dead ends. Your future is yours. And you have the ability through a new life in Christ to build a life of value and purpose. Do you believe this? Man, if we believe this, if we believe that our past wasn't a boundary, it wasn't a, a roadblock, if we believe that our past was a building block, if we believe that our destiny wasn't shaped by the words that people have been spoken over us, from the place we were born or the city we grew up in, if we believe this, man, the future would be wide open possibilities. Because it is. It wasn't the religious of the day that traveled to see Jesus. In fact, they largely missed him. The Christmas day, they weren't there. But I love what, Matt, what Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount. He said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It's not about how religious you are. It's about the purity of your heart and your desire to see God, not just now, but in your future. You can change your future. You may be sitting here and say, yeah, Caleb, that sounds great for you. That sounds phenomenal for you. But I have doubts, Caleb. Join the club. Join the club. If you've ever doubted, you're in good company. Oh, one example, John the Baptist, the guy who baptized Jesus. Can you remember the story? He was there in that moment when the Holy Spirit was doving around. We heard the voice of God say, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. That was John that was in the water with him. John, that was him. And then we find him later on in the story, sending his disciples, go, hey, go ask Jesus if he's the one or should I look for another? <laughs> Wait, John, you were there. You said this is the one. You prophesied this is the one. And then later on in life, now you're having doubts about this? Join the club if you have doubts. God is not scared of your doubts. So if your past doesn't hinder your future, if your doubts don't block your future, what could your future look like? What could it look like? Because you have the power 
to change a future. Before we write our New Year's resolutions and before we plot our goals for 2020, let's ask ourselves this question. Is the birth, the life, the teaching and the death and the resurrection of Jesus central to all we do and all we are? My prayer is that it would be. That it would be. That Jesus would be the reason for the season to throw some cliche Christian language around it. That he would be the reason for the season. That everything we do would be for him. That he would move through us. Let me pray. God, I just lift up everyone that's gathered here tonight. And God, I just pray complete and utter blessing and breakthrough over their lives. God, I just pray, Lord, that whatever decisions they've made in the past, whatever's happened before now, the things I've done wrong and the things that have happened to them, God, I just thank you, Lord, that nothing holds them back from the future that you have for them. God, I just pray, Lord, over doubts in this place. And God, I just pray over doubts that are hindering people from experiencing more of who you are. God, I just pray, Lord, that they would bring them to you and they wouldn't run from you because of them. And God, I pray, Lord, that we would be people that would understand now what? Now is the opportunity to seek the light and to be the light for the rest of our days. God, we want to know you more. God, reveal yourself to us more, we pray, this year and in 2020 like never before. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. 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 Before I invite Dan up, I just want to, one moment. If you're here tonight and you've never, you don't know God, maybe you've never started a relationship with him, maybe you just don't even know what that looks like, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond. If you're here tonight and, you, and something I've spoke about sparked a, a desire to know more or an interest about God, I would love to have a chat with you after the service, to pray with you and start this journey together. If that's you, could you just give me a wave just for a moment? And we'll chat after the service. Are you here tonight? So yeah, that's me, Caleb. I want to know more about this Jesus you're talking about. I've been around, but man, I don't know him like I want to. If that's you, just give me a wave just a moment. I don't want to labor this. Give me a wave and we'll move on. Fantastic. Awesome. Thank you. Why don't you come, Dan? Thanks, man.